We're going to be carrying on with the series in the Holy Spirit today, talking about the fruits of the Spirit. And we've already looked at in this series the, the difference, the contrast between how sometimes the work of, of God the Holy Spirit can be sudden, uh, quite obvious, immediate, things like salvation or signs and wonders, miracles, the gifts. Sometimes you meet with the Holy Spirit, it is, it is really obvious. But there's also a side to it that we've spoke about that is actually quite hidden, uh, discreet, slow. Some could even say mundane, though it's far from mundane. And that is, in some ways, what we're going to be looking at today. The Bible talks about how these kind of, uh, this life in the spirit that is very unseen can produce fruit. It's a little like gardening. I'm no gardener. Uh, I'm not on the allotment scene. A lot of people seem to be on the allotment thing these days. And uh, you've always observed when they do, they love to let you know about it. Anyone who's got an allotment or likes to grow their own fruit, they're, they're putting to repent of, of pride. They let you know. And um, I'm not in, involved in all that. But they will tell you that when you grow fruit, so much of it is, is it looks like nothing is happening. It's completely unseen. It, is anything even going on? But, but beneath the surface, loads is going on. And eventually, at the right time, fruit just begins to produce. And, and, and our lives are a bit like that. When we walk with the Spirit, we walk with God, we, we produce fruit. Fruit comes out of us. And we're going to explore that today, uh, how we can help to cultivate that, what, what that looks like as we live and operate. And so we're going to be reading Galatians 5, uh, Paul's letter to the church in Galatia, where he talks in chapter 5 a lot about what it means to live a life that is free, and what it means to live a life in the spirit. And so we're going to pick up from verse 16 together. Uh, so let's uh, read that section of scripture now. But I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. The desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you're led by the spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual morality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. It's joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there's no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us walk by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. This is the word of God. Paul begins in, in verse 16 with this, uh, an exhortation, an encouragement. I say, walk by the Spirit. I love when it, it uses this turn of phrase, to, to, to walk. Lots of us know what it is to, to walk with someone, is to be in relationship with someone. To, you know, when you just uh, walk and enjoy it, it cast your mind back at you. I remember in the... Um, in the pandemic, when the government was so gracious to allow us a daily walk, 
you, uh, people really got onto that sphere. They, they loved it. Oh, I'm loving the daily walk. And I remember you would speak to people and they'd say, I've just loved walking. I'm going to carry on doing this. I'm going to, you know, I go to a restaurant and spend money. We can just go for a walk. We get to chat, catch up. How many of you go for a daily walk now? Very few, I imagine. Uh, but, but we love the idea of it because when you walk with someone, uh, when, when I go for a walk with Sylvia, my wife, we, we talk, we, we chat, we connect. And when you go for a walk with a friend, you walk, you chat, you connect. It's just, it's just what happens. And the Bible talks loads about how we are to walk with God. We're to walk with the Spirit. We're to be in relationship with the Spirit. And so he encourages, walk in the Spirit. And if you do, he says, you, you won't gratify, you won't go after the desires of the flesh. Because uh, there's this kind of, uh, Faria touched on it last week. In life, there's desires of the flesh. There's, there's longings and habits and things that we want to do, things that uh, we gave examples about food. And, and there's a whole range of desires that we have, fleshly desires uh, that you, you get sucked into, the things that you want to do. Even when it says in here, the thing, you know, things that you want to do, sometimes you feel like, I don't want to do this, but I, I almost can't stop myself from doing it. Sometimes our desire, the desires of the flesh that Paul says in this passage to try to not do, when you begin to think about those, the thought of not trying to do that or trying to live a life free from following those desires can seem completely overwhelming. H how can I ever do that? It, to me, uh, what Paul is saying is the only way to do it is by life in the spirit. It's, it's like the difference between, uh, I've got a, we've got a garden and there's a load of trees and, and bushes and my style of gardening is basically, these are getting on my nerves now, let me cut them down. So uh, there's some trees that we had and I just, I, ca I can't bear having to keep cutting. So I just want to ch chop down the tree, uh, quite a thick trunk on one of them. And so I just went at it one day, I got frustrated. I go out of a handsaw and I'm there for ages. You get blisters on the hands. I'm having a, it's a right mess. In the end, I just think enough's enough. Get myself down to screw fix and get a chainsaw. Now I feel like a proper man. I'm going a chainsaw and you just slice through the tree. It's like that. And to me, is the difference between someone who is trying to operate, uh, not kind of living life and their desires of the flesh, trying to do that uh, on their own, in their own strength. It's like going at a big tree of a handsaw. It is tiresome. It's difficult. You may get there in the end, but you probably won't. It is rough. But you, you watch someone who is empowered by the spirit and they just take a chainsaw and they just fly straight through it. So oh, that's, that's what it's supposed to be like. That's, <laughs> that, that looks so fun. That looks like life in all its fullness. That doesn't look like tiresome or, or striving or difficulty. That just looks like freedom. And that's what Paul is trying to describe to us in this passage. Other times, Andrew Wilson has described it as like a, a, a sailboat that has got no wind in it. You're striving, you're struggling to get along, but when, a, when the wind comes and you catch the wind, you just blow. That, that's what life being empowered by the Spirit looks like. And so Paul wants to draw that out in, in these verses because the, the reality of it is that uh, our, our flesh, our fleshly desires, right, the way that Paul says it in verse 17, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the spirit are inside of us and there is an internal conflict inside of every believer. Right, this is what Paul says in verse 17. He says, the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. They're opposed to each other. We've literally got an internal conflict that the desires of the flesh want us to do something and the desires of the spirit want us to do something. And so I just want to stop right there 
And, and so I'll just talk about the flesh. What is the flesh? It isn't the skin attached to your bones because lots of the things that Paul speaks about in here uh, when he lists the desires of the flesh have got nothing to do with your body. Jealousy, envy, you know, strife, anger. So you see that the, the flesh that the, the, the Bible talks about isn't to do with your physical skin or anything like that. It's to do with an inner desire, uh, 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 the sinful nature that we have from birth to uh, live in a way that is contrary to God. That if we're left to our own devices, we want to live for ourselves, do our own thing and not live according to God's will. That is the flesh. It is, it is who we are. Maybe it helps to, to say this. It's the opposite to what God is. It's the opposite. There's a quote, there's a bloke called Edward Carnell. He's an American pastor. And, and he said that God never has to urge himself to do good. God doesn't have to wake up in the morning and think, you know what? I just really hope I can keep my language under control today. I really just hope that I can think good thoughts today. No, God is who he is. His very nature is that he is good. His roots are good. The fruit that comes from God is good. God is light and there's no dark in him. That isn't our story. Well, if left to our own devices, uh, we don't just come up with, with goodness. We don't just, you, you, know, you ever thought you don't have to work hard at being jealous? You don't have to work hard. It just comes natural. You don't have to work hard to be self-centered. Very easy to be selfish. You don't have to work hard. Oh, I'm just going to try and be selfish today. I really find it hard to be selfish. No, nobody does that. Everyone finds it easy to be jealous and to get angry and to, and to lose their temper. And, and those things come natural to us. That's our flesh. Or in fact, what we need is, is we go, no, I need to uh, walk in the spirit to fight against those things. And so, so Paul here is warning and he's saying that inside every one of us, there is literally this war going on, this internal conflict of our natural, sinful, fleshly desires that lead us opposing to God's will and in, our, and in the life in the spirit that leads to life in all its fullness and a life that is holy and pleasing unto the Lord. And there's a conflict. And he, he gives us the list of, of what both of those desires are. And he also gives us the remedy on how we can win that war. And that's what we're going to look at. We're going to look at the lists of the two things, of the desires of the flesh and, and, and what it is, the fruit of the spirit. And, then, and what's the solution? What's the victory? Because you'll see, that, and before he introduces the lists, if we carry on through the passage in verse 18, you'll see that the, the victory uh, trick is not just to try and keep and follow the rules. He says in verse 18, if you're led by the spirit, you're not under the law. This is not just about rule keeping. If I just keep the rules, I'll just follow the law, then I'll be okay. That's like trying to go at a tree with a handsaw. No, the key is to live life in the spirit, to walk with God, to be in relationship with him. It's like holding a chainsaw in your hand going at the tree. And so let's look at these two lists. The first one is the desires of the flesh. And, and I would say that these can be put into three categories. Sexual sin, spiritual sin, and social sin. So let's look at the first three. Sexual sin, he literally lists it in, in verse 19. The works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, and sensuality. These three things are to do with uh, sexual purity. The world tells you that doesn't matter. Do with your body what you want, sleep with who you want. That's not what the Bible says. Our, our, how we are, our sexual purity matters to God. 
that sex is designed by God for covenant marriage between a man and a woman and anything outside of that is sinful. And those of us that, that involve with those things, and that is a fleshly desire. The, the lust of the flesh, pornography, and the things that we watch and the way that we engage with things. This kind of a culture that's very promiscuous. If you go down that route, that is a desire of the flesh that leads to, to shame and leads to disobedience to God. And so Paul warns against it, against sexual sin. The second would be what I call spiritual sin. The next two, he says, idolatry and sorcery. Idolatry is things that uh, take God's place in your life. Good things, usually, that become God things, i.e. parents with their kids. It's good that you love your kids, but sometimes they, they can become the most important thing in their life, more than God or your job. This is the most important thing for a lot of people, sport, football and golf. A lot of my friends, they love golf, spend hours playing golf. And I've always told myself, I don't do those things. So I'm not going to bow to the idol of golf. It's probably just because I've been no good and don't want to lose, but it makes me sound spiritual. But, you, but there's lots of things that we put in the place of the Lord. And, 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 and these things, and Paul says, no, idols, the desires of the flesh, money and work and career. And then he says sorcery. Lots of us read over that one. We'll be foolish to. Sorcery is, is, is pagan practices and religions that are actually getting more and more popular in these days. New age spiritual uh, kind of new age ideas. And, 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 and in fact, I even drove past, it's everywhere. I drove past a harvester the other day. They got a big sign, Psychic Night, on the 13th of November. Really? Um, tarot card readings, horoscopes. You get it in the church. Someone come up to me. I'm not even joking. They're in the church chanting to me. Hi, oh, you're born in Mark. You're a Pisces. No, I'm not a Pisces. We don't subscribe to those things. These kind of new age practices and spirituality have to be very, very careful. Some of them rooted in deep pagan, unreligion, demonic practices, mindfulness and yoga and all of these things that we can be very flippant about. Yoga is a, is a, a new age uh, belief. It's actually rooted in fifth century Indian uh, pagan religion. To, the word yoga means to yoke, to unite yourself, to, to kind of use posture and breathing and, and, and mindfulness to bring self-enlightenment. It's a pagan, deep pagan religion. Now, I know that some yoga, people say they're doing yoga, it's really glorified Pilates, but, but the point is we must be mindful with the things that we engage with and enter into because they're deeply spiritual things. The films we watch, the music that we listen to, the practices that we engage with, we can't be naive and flippant. It's very easy to get involved with practices that are not of God. They're not godly. And the third thing would be, I call social sins, um, which basically hinder your relationships. When you look at the list, enmity, basically unforgiveness, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalry, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, and orgies. These are things that destroy families and relationships and friendships. I think about drunkenness, how many arguments, uh, family gatherings have been destroyed because so-and-so got drunk. I don't know, maybe it's just my family growing up, but it just can destroy relationships and families. Envy. I mean, social media is created for jealousy and envy, literally. You can, you can spend your day looking through and suddenly you're envious of the holiday they went on and the new kitchen that they got and uh, the fig that they have and the hairline they got and the car that they drive and the way that they look and the clothes they are. It's just designed for it. And, and so there's this kind of these, these sins that can break down our relationship. And on all of them, Paul gives a stark warning. He's like, I'm, I'm warning you as I've warned you before. 
I've, I've, I've told you about, I've warned you about these things, friends. Beloved, I've warned you about these. He would warn us about these things. Those that do such things, he says, will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's not legalism to say you've got to do this, this and this to inherit the kingdom of God. But it's, it's saying someone who's involved with all of these practices is clear they're not walking a life with Christ. If you're involved in all of these things, if this is the fruit of your life, and clearly the fruit of your life is not that you're walking with Christ. It's saying be, be warned about these things. And some of us this morning, today, need to repent of these things. Turn away from those things. And I don't actually just want to major on those. I do want to major on, on the kind of the flesh. I want to major on the fruit today. But you have to address it. Because these things, they're like thorns, weeds that choke out the fruit. Andrew Walsham was telling me he's got a willow tree in his garden. And they're cutting it back because willow is a, is a tree that literally sucks out the nutrients from everything else that it will grow. And, and these things, if left unattended, the, the, your life in the spirit, walking with God, will be hindered because of these things that are around you. You need to deal with them, repent of them and acknowledge them. And then we get this uh, second list, this beautiful list about the fruits of the spirit. But what is the fruit of the spirit? What does life in the spirit look like? And again, I'm going to group these in three. John Stott, theologian, British theologian, does this. I find it helpful. It's not essential, but helpful. Um, and so the first three, uh, I'll move through quickly. Love, joy, and peace. We spoke about these a lot in these series. That These are Godward things that the Holy Spirit comes to uh, pursue in us, to show us the love of God the Father that we have, that we're loved by God, and that we can love Him, and that we can love one another. That, that, that is the fruit of the Spirit, to love God, to love people. That is Christianity summed up. Love God, love people. Love, joy, a deep joy that goes beyond happiness and fleeting emotions, a joy that any circumstances I can know, the joy of God, there's a fruit of the Spirit. Those people that you meet, they're full of joy and peace. The peace of Christ uh, that surpasses understanding. We know peace. And so those would be the first three, and they would be Godward looking, if you like. Love, joy, peace. The, the next three, I think, would be actually more, more manward, more, more people-focused, uh, that are Patience, kindness, and goodness. These are all errors. I mean, patience, we live in such an impatient society. I mean, how many of us, how often do you scroll down on your phone again to refresh a page? Because uh, you can't wait seven seconds for it to load or, or uh, seeing what line in the supermarket is going to go fast. I'll get in that one. Or, or chopping lanes because we don't want to sit in traffic for 30 more seconds than, than the person in the other lane. And we're just very impatient people getting annoyed because we've had to wait. I was laughing with someone who doesn't come from London and was talking about how frequent the buses come. And I'm like, that is not my experience. In 10 minutes is a long time waiting for a bus sometimes. You just miss what, 12 minutes. And that bus comes every hour I'm from. I think, God forbid, you know, but, but, but we're just, we are, we're just impatient. It's the way we're wired. And we have to, we have to think, oh, we want to live a life patient with one another, patient with the Lord. Things take time in God. And, and, and so you've got patience, there's, there's kindness. I mean, we live in such a cancel culture, just unkind, generate condemnation, and nasty with one another. The opposite to that is we should be people that are known as being kind. It's, it's not difficult, sometimes it, it feels difficult, but it shouldn't be difficult just to be kind to each, each other. Kind words, kind actions, kind thoughts. And the other one is goodness, which to me is, is in, in some for people have described it, is almost uh, walking with integrity honesty, decency, in a world full of deceit and slander and, and, and falsehood. To be a person 
who is the same both publicly and privately in these days is, is actually quite powerful. That, that when people see you in different settings, they say, oh yeah, they're, they're actually consistent. They're the same person. They are who they say they are. And so you get those three. And the, ne the, the next three would be, uh, if you like, characteristics. Faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Also, this is how we should be known by our colleagues, by our friends, by, our, by people at, at work, by our family members, by our spouse, our kids. Oh yeah, these are, we can just be described that way. They're faithful. They persevere. They, they stick by people. They're, 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 they're gentle. Not a pushover. Jesus was gentle. He was no pushover. He knew when to raise the temperature. He knew when to get angry. But, but the way he's manner with people, he, he wasn't out to get people. He was, he was gentle and kind. And the last one, self-control. And I just want to uh, just to talk about this for a minute because self-control links so much about to how do we curtail the desires of the flesh to curtail it? Because when you look at someone, right, who is just living however they want to live, you might, have, you might think they're very free to do that. Ah, oh, just eating whatever they want all the time. We were talking about last week. Just eat any food they want. They look so free. They're not free from good. They're not, they're actually, they're not free. They're a slave to that desire. And they're free to eat whatever they want, but they're not free to have good health. Or you look at someone, they just sleep with whoever they want. Oh, what freedom. They just go and sleep around. Deep down, they become a slave to that desire. They're not actually free to have healthy relationships. They're not free to pursue a healthy relationship with another individual because they just can't be faithful. And so what sometimes looks like freedom is actually you're a slave to that desire. That's why people become addicted. People become, these habits, they become addicted. It's like, I actually couldn't even stop that if I wanted to. That's not freedom. That's slavery. That's bondage. To have, to have self-control, to be completely free, actually looks like someone who's very self-controlled. They're able to say, you know what? I don't want to have that. I don't want to do this. Jesus, perfect example. Most free man who's ever lived. He was God on earth. He had complete self-control. In all of these characteristics, Christ is our perfect example. The way he lived his life, the way he operated, we can emulate Christ as we do these things. Jesus, who was, who was so free and was so free. In fact, he was the most precious fruit of the vine. Yet he was totally crushed. His life was so fruitful, yet he allowed himself to be completely crushed that, that we would know complete freedom that we would be able to have peace with him and walk with him and know him. And just as we finish, I, I, I want to talk about the kind of, you've got these, these are the flesh, these, these desires of the flesh, we've got these life in the spirit. Well, what's the secret? How do you win the battle? Well, the next verses, Paul gives us the secret, the victory that is for all of us that are in Christ. And those who belong to Christ, verse 24, have crucified the flesh of its passions and desires. And if we live by the spirit, then let us walk by the Spirit. There's two things I want to say to that. Jesus says that, or Paul says that we've got victory because we've been crucified with Christ. In the way Christ was crushed and crucified and has won a victory for us over sin and death uh, for all time, he says we too have been crucified with Christ. And that when we do that, we make a decision. Not only have we been, we've been brought into what Jesus' is, death and resurrection and peace with God, we also make a decision to say, you know what, I'm dying to my old self. I'm putting to death the deeds of the flesh. I'm not getting involved in it anymore. I'm turning my back. The Bible talks about that repentance even. I'm repenting of that. I'm laying it down and I'm not going to reopen negotiations with it. 
that desire that I used to have, that habit that I used to do, I'm putting it to death. I'm not going to flirt with it. I'm not gonna, I always say to young people when, when you go to New Day and youth seminars uh, and you talk about sex, sex and things like that, young people say, how far is too far is always the question. Can I do this? Can I do that? Can I do that? And you say, you're asking the wrong questions. You're basically going, how much can I flirt with the flesh before I cross the line? The question we should be asking is, how do I honor God with my body? How do I honor God with the way that I live? Is what I'm doing godly? Is what I'm doing obedient to the scriptures? That's the questions we should be asking. We say that, that's what it means to say, ah, oh, I've crucified the flesh. I'm putting to death to it. And I make a decision to follow Christ. That gives me new desires and new longings. That's what he's saying. You've crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. So that's the first thing we do. We say, I'm going to crucify the flesh. And then the second thing we're going to do is he says, we're going to walk in the spirit. It literally says in, in, in the next verse, if we live by the spirit, let us walk by the spirit. What does that mean? That's something that you have to do. You have to make a conscious decision daily to walk by the spirit, to invite the Holy Spirit to be with you daily. It's the very opposite actually to the, what seems like a very godly phrase, but I don't always think it's, it's that helpful to kind of, I'm going to let go and let God. I get what people mean by that. It's like God take control, but sometimes it can be quite passive. Walking by the Spirit is active. You've got to do something. It's, it's about how we spend our time. How do we spend our leisure time? What do we watch? Who do we spend time with? What do we listen to? What, what, do we, what do we spend our morning routine doing? Are we in the scriptures? Are we walking with the Lord? Are we in prayer? Are we, with the, are we in fellowship with other believers? Are we gathering with the Lord's people? Are we doing these things that all help us to create an environment where we walk in the spirit, where we keep in step with the spirit. It's active. It requires action from us to do it. And so my encouragement to all of us say, let's, let's be active in our pursuit of walking with the spirit. And, 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 and as part of that, one of the key things that we do that particularly uh, I encourage us to do today is we say, you know what? We also, we want to go on, as Andrew encouraged a few weeks ago, being filled with the spirit, being empowered by him. Maybe even today, we say, I want to, re I want to repent of my sin, but I want to be filled afresh with the spirit. I want, to, I want to ongoing be, I want to walk with the Spirit today and tomorrow and the next day. And to do that, I need fresh encounters, fresh experiences, fresh meetings with the Holy Spirit. And if we do that and we keep in step and we walk with Him, what happens is, is slowly, day by day by day, the, the fruit that we produce in our lives, the things that come out of us, the things that, that demonstrate amongst us, end up being the very things that Paul spoke about here, these fruits of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and self-control. All these things, they just ooze out of us because in our roots, we're, we're people that are walking with God. We're not striving, we're not trying to keep rules, but we're spending day by day walking with God, communing with Him, living with Him. In the end, we live a life full of the fruit of the Spirit. Let me pray for us. Lord, we thank you for uh, your word and the instruction that is given us today. And I just want to, I want to pray for each one of us, wherever, wherever we are. I pray for the Holy Spirit to come afresh upon us. I pray you help us to walk in step with the Spirit. I pray you help us to have deep roots, rooted and grounded, Lord, in, in, in the goodness of God. And I pray you help us to identify the areas that once again we need to put to death, that we need to kill, that we need to crucify to and to walk in humble obedience of that God, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.